Welcome to The Hive Podcast, a show that helps inspire you to pursue your passions and ambitions. My name is Jared Spink, and I'm your host. I'm a photographer, videographer, and entrepreneur. Join me as I sit down with other entrepreneurs and creators to learn more about their process, how they built communities around their brands, and the experiences they've had along the way. I hope that these conversations inspire you to pursue your goals. You're listening to The Hive Podcast. Man, we have a great guest in store for you guys this week. We have Mandy Gleason. Mandy Gleason is the founder of Replica Services. They make just the most realistic, uh, affordable, just fantastic services uh, for product photography, food photography, and I'm really stoked to have her on the show. Mandy, welcome. Hey, Jared. Thank you so much. I'm stoked to be here. Yeah. I I mean, when uh, I reached out to you and you got back to me, I was so excited to see that email saying... Uh, you were down to come on the show and, and have a conversation. I'm, I'm really excited to hear your backstory and everything that went into this because I, I know at the beginning you, uh, you you weren't a photographer to start with, right? No, not at all. All right. So uh, I'm, it's going to, I think, going to be an interesting uh, story and conversation this week. So um, let's hear your backstory. I mean, what what did you do before Replica Surfaces? Yeah, so um, right now I'm, I'm, I'm living in Dallas. Uh, prior to that, um, I'm actually from Canada originally, near the Toronto area. And so I was a former Canadian TV actor uh, through my, my tweens and teens. And, uh, and then through a random sequence of events, I've, like you said, become the founder of Replica Surfaces. A TV actor. Okay. Well, I can't wait to di- dive into that a little bit more. Uh, but uh, so let, take me all the way back to the beginning. I love hearing about how people, um, you know, their, their backstory, their history before starting their business. Uh, did you always have like a, an um, entrepreneurial mindset? I did. Yeah. So um, my parents are incredibly entrepreneurial themselves. Uh, clearly, Growing up and being adults in the 80s and 90s, they couldn't do the super amazing things we can do now with e-commerce. Um, but they were they were involved in real estate and they they created um, small products and small companies along the way. And so they really encouraged me early on to have entrepreneurialism at least a small part of your life. Um, I got my first job when I was five. <laughs> I uh, I did a newspaper route, of course, with my parents. Okay, um, so good. It, no, it, no oh. <laughs> child labor at its finest. Five Not years at all. Old. It was it was it was my idea, and, and they helped me out and uh, sold newspaper subscriptions. And then I I kind of liked making small allowance, but whatever I. If I wanted more than that, I, my, my parents said I had to work for it, and I got to be creative about how to do that. So did a lot of the standard stuff that kids do in the 90s, lemonade stands, yard sales of old toys. I created my own uh, babysitting and pet walking businesses. And then when I was nine, I created it, my own jewelry business. I really loved beads and making stuff with my hands. And so I made beaded necklaces to sell to my classmates. I think that they're all usually about four fifty a piece. And, uh, and that covered my cost of labor and, you know, biking to the bead store and all that kind of stuff. And so that was kind of my really first foray into, into selling a product and, uh, being responsible to your customers. Wow. Start starting young. Uh, we definitely have that in common at, at a young age. I was always looking for 
the fastest and quickest, you know, the quickest way, the most effective way to make uh, a buck um, <laughs> at, at a very young age. Um, well, out of all those, um, you know, looking back now, what, what do you think you took away from from those early childhood uh, uh, endeavors? I definitely think that it was uh, customer service and providing either a product or a service that you could stand behind, be really proud of, and always going the extra mile to give your customers what you needed. Um, I guess one of the examples that comes to mind is when I was in sixth grade, I created a, a monthly newsletter called Young Entrepreneurs. So again, this is you know a decade or more pre-Instagram, but at the at the ripe old age of eleven, I thought that I'd gained enough entrepreneurial experience that I could share it with my classmates. So I produced a newsletter. I talked about all the stuff that I'd been doing: the yard sales, the babysitting, the jewelry business. And every month, I printed on my stapled it together. And um, I, I believe I sold seven subscriptions at five bucks a piece. So I made a whopping $35, but I had to then provide 12 months of that newsletter uh, for only that initial subscription cost of $35. And it was a lot of work. And it really, it, it showed me that when you make a promise to your customers, you come through on that and you come through on that. Yeah. And it, the I whole mean- time. Starting a newsletter is a lot of work, and for someone at, at a such a young age to to learn hard work, um, probably has paid off for you in the long run. I think so. I mean, it was the first foray into you know you think when you think entrepreneurialism, you think you've got so much flexibility and your time is yours, and and really you you and rather than working a nine to five, you end up usually working a twenty four seven. I think most entrepreneurs yeah. can can understand that, and so to do something like this newsletter where I had to uh, write it on my evenings and my weekends after, after sixth grade, uh, that definitely showed me that this, that entrepreneurialism is not an easy route, um, but it can be really satisfying. So um, let's talk about your acting career now, because um, I, I think uh, that kind of takes us up to, to that time, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah, exactly. So uh, how did you get into acting? So the hardest part of getting into acting, so I hear, is to get an agent. And so I was incredibly fortunate that when I was 11, so same year that I created the newsletter, uh, my aunt decided to become a talent agent. Uh, my uncle was is one of, and still is, one of the foremost uh, stunt coordinators out of Toronto, which uh, for Canadians, Toronto is pretty much Hollywood North. Okay. Uh, is what it's known as. So it's it's the acting capital of Canada. And uh, so when she became an agent, she asked if I wanted to try acting, get some photos done and see what happened. So I did just that. More between 10 and 15 commercials uh, when I was younger. And then that helped me create enough of a resume that by the time I was in my mid-teens, I was able to get auditions for supporting and lead roles in, a, in different kid shows. Um, and so I was in a number of those and they were basically like the kind of kid shows that you'd see on Nickelodeon. Uh, for us, it's called YTV or youth television, but it's okay. the Canadian Nickelodeon equivalent. So I did a bunch of those. And yeah, then that, that's a big I, deal. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a ton of fun. Um, and Hey, it's not, a, it's not a bad way to, to make a little extra money. Like you said, and then by the time I was 18, I, ha- I actually landed the lead in a show called Monster Warriors, 
which is another Canadian kids television show. It's a cross between Power Rangers and Ghostbusters. That's what it kind of looked like. I, 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 I YouTubed it <laughs> yesterday. Uh, and yeah, that's, I was, uh, you know, because of the pandemic, my wife's been, uh, we've been sharing a home office right now. She's working from home and she's like, turned around. She's like, what are you watching? I'm like, I think it's kind of like Power <laughs> Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's it's completely ridiculous. Basically, it's it's myself and three other warriors, and uh, we all wore spandex. Mine was pink and black, and we killed computer-generated monsters with weapons that my character invented out of household objects. So we wore these vacuum cleaners on our back, and they acted as the power source for all of these weapons. Um, it's some of the worst computer generated graphics you'll ever see, but it's really campy and fun. And I did it for two years. So 52 episodes and, uh, it was just a fantastic time. That's awesome. And I'm sure that, I mean, we can get into it, but you probably took away a ton from that, especially at such a young age. Um, you know, everything I've never acted, but from what I hear is, um, there's a lot to juggle, especially when, when you're a kid, because I mean, you still have school, you got, uh, probably uh, responsibilities that your parents expect uh, out of you. And then, I mean, you already basically have a professional career at such a young age. That it probably, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it probably taught you really good time management. It, would def- it definitely did. Again, it's a, it's a ton of evenings and weekends for learning your lines. And then days on set could be 14, 16 hours. And that doesn't mean you're on camera that whole time, but you're physically present. You're getting prepared for your next scenes. And so it really does, it does prep you for odd hours and like you said, juggling all those other things, particularly when you're in school. So um, you, you said you did that for a couple of years. Um, at, at what point did you uh, decide to stop acting or what so was the next was, endeavor? Yeah, so it was, it was actually right after I finished Monster Warriors. So I kind of, I kind of stopped acting right at the... I mean, the, I'll say the pinnacle of my career. I was like a D-list actress at best. But the, you went but, out um, on top. <laughs> I went on top. I went out on top. That's a good way to think about it. Um, basically, I didn't love that. With the acting, you don't get to create your own success. So there, there's different roles that I wasn't. I'm a little on the taller side, and so there were roles where if they've already cast the lead male actor and I was going to be too tall, then I wouldn't be able to get the part. And so things like that. It just felt that there was there was too much that was out of my control, and I didn't want to I didn't want that. So I wanted to, I wanted to pursue something that I, would be more in my control. Now I was looking at your bio. It said uh, you you started to pursue a career in the healthcare industry too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that. What um what were you, uh, were you going to school for that? What was uh what was the goal behind that? Yeah. So um, I went into the medical field prior to. Uh, prior to starting Replica, um, and then I just, I realized that where my heart was, and it started to become enough work that I wasn't able to do both things. Gotcha. And so, made the switch. Well, uh, I think at, at this point in the in the timeline of things, this kind of brings us to the early beginnings of uh, Replica Surfaces. So, for our listeners that, that aren't from that that aren't familiar with replica surfaces, what, I mean, I kind of said it at the beginning, but maybe you can, uh, I mean, you're the founder. So what is replica surfaces? So, um, I mean, first off, they're the backdrops that I always wanted, but, um, but to describe them, they're, they're rigid, really lightweight 
backdrops that are predominantly used by food and product photographers. Um, they replicate real textures like marble, shiplap, dark wood, tile, and stuff like that. Um, one thing that also makes us special is uh, replica stands. So they're these little L-shaped plastic gadgets, and they hold two surfaces together in an L-shape. So rather than you know awkwardly propping a vertical backdrop up against a wall or a piece of furniture where they can fall over and smash your beautiful soup that you just created, mm -hmm. which has happened to me, um, these actually, they hold them up. So you're able to create a table and a wall effect uh, really easily, and you can create it anywhere. So yeah. you can, if, if the lighting is best in your bedroom, set up a, you know, a faux kitchen on your bed or take them outside if you have bad indoor lighting. It, it, they've really made it so it's very portable. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're great. I, I own quite a few of them. I, I have those little L brackets. And they're fantastic. You really can. I, I created a uh, what looked like a kitchen with a with a butcher block and a tile black backsplash in my office. You wouldn't be able to tell that you know I was in my little office. It looked like I was in a kitchen. So they're great. They they um, really do look like the real thing. And the nice thing is is they're just so portable and light, and you don't need to you know lug around a. a a slab of marble or a you know a butcher block. You, they're really thin um, and very durable too. Um, so I'm kind of curious. What are some of the the most common questions you get about your product about replica surfaces? Definitely. So I would say that stain resistance because uh, we are used by so many food photographers to create the kitchens like you talked about uh, they do want to know about the stain resistance a lot of other backdrops out there are more porous uh, they may resist some uh, food substances but not all of them and so i think that uh, we have some of the absolute best stain resistance out there uh, don't slather hair dye <laughs> on it or or paint but um, for food substances there's there's nearly there's nearly no food substance I've ever encountered that can leave a permanent stain on the surfaces. So that's a question we get a lot. Also, just which two to pair together. Uh, currently, I have 14 different surfaces in the permanent collection, and we always come out with limited releases. So every month or two, we release uh, completely unique surfaces that nobody's seen before. They come out in a small batch, and they typically sell out in hours to days. Um, just something that's really special that nobody else is going to have. Mm -hmm. And so the, the question often is, is which ones do I get? Um, people don't necessarily know what, what's best for their brand or for their uses. And so uh, people reach out to us all the time via DMs uh, on Instagram or uh, the Facebook group. We, we have a thriving Facebook community or emails just asking, hey, could you take a look at my page and and what ones would you pair together if you were me? Mm -hmm. And absolutely love answering that question since it's so much fun to to dive into what other people are doing and give them some recommendations I really think would be the best. Yeah, I mean that's awesome too because uh, just the the community you've you've built around the the brand and and how personable you are and how uh, how much you can really sense how much of you is in in your product um, and really taking the time and, and the interest to be able to to help people out. That's that's fantastic. Um, I think that, you know, a br especially when you start your own brand uh, and your own your own product line, it's so nice to have an owner that that makes it personal. I mean, it, it is a part of you, right? Definitely, I'm, I'm really glad to hear you say that. That's that's something that I, I strive for from day one. Um, I mean, a backdrop, is, like you know, is is crucial to taking good photos. But if you don't have 
the background in photography or lighting or a community that can lift you up and support you and help answer your questions, it's it's only one piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And so I wanted to create I wanted to create that community and always be there. Uh, for customers and for non-customers. Just, if, you, if you want to know about photography, but you don't need to buy surfaces, that's fine. I'm, I'm there for you too. Yeah, I mean, you guys have great tutorials. Uh, I'm on the email list and I, I love your lighting tutorials. I know that's not like the most fascinating subject to people, but it's probably the, one, the, the most important aspect of photography is lighting. And um, your lighting tutorials have just been fantastic. I absolutely love them. Oh, dude, that's awesome. I really appreciate you saying that. Um, I think one of the one of the reasons it's it's on the easier side to teach is because I'm so new to photography as well, and so it's it's still very easy for me to remember how hard these things were when I was first getting started. Uh, so I think that that's that, that's been somewhat of a benefit that I if if I just learned it, here's how I would teach it for a learner like me. Yeah, that, I mean that's that's fantastic because when you when you try to ask questions to someone. Uh, regardless of the field, if, if they're an expert and they've been doing it for a while, sometimes they kind of forget the the very basics of how they learned and they kind of just brush over the explanation like, oh, you just do this. But when you're someone that just learned, I mean, they really do make like the best tutorials because they just learned how to do it and they're excited about it. So that right, come, right. comes across too. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. I still remember step one, yeah. set up the light. Like you have to get that specific because- that's the first step, and that's you're absolutely right. That's what the experts they kind of forget. Um, so I want to talk uh, before we get ahead of ourselves. I want to talk about sure. how replica surfaces uh, started. What what sparked the idea? Especially not being a photographer. I mean, you had a newspaper route, a lemonade stand, yard sales, babysitting, a newsletter. You were an actor, uh, and then you worked in the healthcare industry. So, what sparked the idea to to make surfaces for the photography industry? So I was actually trying to photograph a completely different product that I had invented and uh, it, it, it didn't work very well. So that's, but that's, it's a story for another time. <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, but in the process of trying to photograph that, it was a massive struggle. I didn't have a very well lit home um, and I didn't have marble countertops or any particularly nice surfaces. And so my, my, I didn't have a fancy lighting setup for it. I was just using these horrible overhead kitchen lights. And so what I wanted was something basically exactly like replica surfaces, something that was lightweight. I wanted it to be rigid because I wanted to either set it up on a stool next to the one big window I had or uh, take it outside onto my porch where I'd be able to get some decent natural lighting. And I really couldn't find anything like that. I was mm -hmm. finding a lot of like flimsy vinyl, which didn't have the rigidity to, to stand upright uh, without a, you know, a massive rig to hold it up or, or contact paper, which I didn't feel looked very realistic. And it crinkled like crazy. Uh, the other finding um, was either very expensive or very heavy, like real slabs of marble or professionally painted wood. And while they're gorgeous, I, I certainly couldn't afford them. And again, I had to lug it outside and that would be quite a hassle. And then the alternative was to do it yourself. And I did not want to spend hundreds of dollars with wood and paint and all this stuff and then still have it look like a second grader mm -hmm. <laughs> created it at the end, which I think would have happened. And so at that point when I really couldn't find what I wanted, I, this, a light bulb went off. 
uh, kind of cartoon style, and I, I pivoted completely. I scrapped the I scrapped the product that I was working on, and I decided that other non photographers who were creating things, just like just like the situation I was in, they also could probably use a backdrop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, of businesses that really just have their start on Instagram, and they need mm-hmm. they need something that looks nice to to take a picture rather than just sitting it on their own kitchen table. Um, and having their home in the background, um, mm-hmm. your your product definitely um, can provided a solution, and uh, you really uh, trying to think of my words here um, revolutionized. I guess is for lack of a better word. Uh, well, I like that word. I will, <laughs> accept, that. I will Re- accept that word. Revolutionized <laughs> um, uh, the replica surfaces. I mean, the name of your business. Uh, there was nothing to me, nothing really like your product out there until you guys came. I mean, there was there were some solutions that, um, and there's some other great companies, but they do cost an arm and a leg. Um, they're very expensive, um, and they do a great job at what they do. But you kind of changed it. You made it portable, light, but still realistic and reusable. They're just fantastic products. That's uh, awesome. I'm so happy to hear that. So I want to talk about the startup stage. You guys started sure. on Kickstarter, right? Is um, how you kind of launched the business? Yes. So 2018. Um, mm-hmm. How was that? I mean, I know doing a Kickstarter campaign can be stressful and, and a very, yes. very time-consuming um, on the marketing aspect to be able to hit um, your goal. So uh, maybe you can kind of expound on what your goal was and what went into meeting your your fundraising goal and um, how quickly maybe you you hit that definitely so um, like you're, you're absolutely right it can be really stressful what I wanted to make a hundred percent sure of and I recommend anybody wanting to do Kickstarter does is to be incredibly prepared up front before you launch your campaign and in particular know every single cost that you're going to incur to send your Kickstarter product out to everybody who backed you Um, I think one issue that some people have run into is they decide, yeah, let's open this up to the entire world. I'll ship internationally, no problem. But actually, that can be a gigantic problem if you don't know exactly what it's going to cost in shipping cost every single one of those countries, uh, what the tariffs could be getting into any of those Mm -hmm. countries. Mm -hmm. And so we made the decision to just stick to the U.S. since that was the easiest to understand large population. And then no no room for surprises. Um, I'd already I already knew every cost that we were going to incur from a production and a packaging standpoint. Um, basically, so that when the campaign ended, all that I would now know is the exact number that I needed to produce. Nothing else was left up to to chance or unknowns. Um, so if you do, if you're okay to put that work in ahead of time, you're going to have a much more successful Kickstarter. It's not going to eat up your pro, your profits or, or, you know, even worse, you have to take out a loan at the end of the day because you actually lost money. Oh, that would be a nightmare. <laughs> and I'm sure it's happened to uh, people. It's a nightmare that I've heard about. And, uh, so that, <laughs> uh, so if you, if you put that effort in that, that shouldn't happen to you. Um, another really important thing that I, that I wanted to invest in was a really high quality video. And when I say invest, I don't mean you have to spend 10 grand or anything. I think I spent $1,500 on a video, found a local Dallas videographer who has now actually, he does all, all the videos uh, for all of our tutorials. 
So um, just getting hooked up with the right person to create that video that reels people in rather than just you talking to the camera, mm-hmm. um, I think is a, is also really is really vital to that campaign. Absolutely. I, it seems like all the Kickstarters that do really well have a very well-done video and uh, mm-hmm. uh, digital assets to go, to go along with the campaign. Um, so you, st- you started, you, you did your Kickstarter campaign. What was the goal? What did you guys end up with like um, for backers? Yeah, so the, the goal was $3,000, and we ended up with 40 Yes. So wow. Okay. That's it, great. It worked. Yeah. So it's it's by no means, and I, I know people have heard of those, you know, million dollar uh, Kickstarter campaigns. Those t- those take a gigantic advertising budget, usually an already massive email list from a previous project to get mm-hmm. to that point. So for a first Kickstarter, I could not be more thrilled. Well, I think it's with, a it's a realistic example too. You know, for someone trying to right. st- start off a, a a small business and uh, having a goal of of just three thousand dollars, I mean that's that's really reasonable. But what a success to, to end up raising forty. Um, I was actually curious, how many surfaces did you start off with? Uh, how many designs you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so we started with only four, and so we started with uh, concrete, rose marble, white marble, and shiplap. Okay. So a little, oh, little color, a little. Um, so the classic white marble and then a classic shiplap as well. Uh, throughout the campaign, we actually we hit a reach goal. I can't remember what. Maybe it was at the twenty grand mark. Um, and so for that, I actually released two other surfaces that people would be able to choose from at the end. And so that was weathered wood, which is like a really dark gray wood, and cement. So also some some nice light gray texture as well. So I guess we, we went to market in December after the Kickstarter campaign with six. And then since then, we've grown to 14, um, and that plus the limited releases that come out. Okay. So how, how did that feel uh, going into to starting replica surfaces, not having any experience in the photography industry, um, and, and really just starting your own business? Like uh, a... A fairly, you know, big goal coming from a newspaper route <laughs> from your fir- <laughs> from your first business uh, yeah. when you were five. I mean, tell me how, how did how did it make you feel? Did it did it feel risky? Um, how did you overcome any feelings of doubt? I don't know that it felt risky per se. I suppose because if it failed, I learned. Um, I think one of the wonderful things that Kickstarter does for you is it allows you to get a loan from 200 people mm-hmm. rather than going to a bank and getting a loan. And so and those, two, those 200 people have already said, I already like what you do. And so that's great. by doing that, I had enough, I mean, that, that contribution paid for every service to get out. Um, it, 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 there was enough profit there that I was able to purchase the next round of the next uh, – I guess, batch of surfaces that I would then be able to sell on the website. And so through the generosity and awesomeness of all of it didn't have to be a personal one. And so with that said, if it flopped immediately after, I wasn't going to be out any money. I would have, it was a learning experience. Um, And I think one of the other reasons that it didn't feel so risky is I've never had a problem asking for help from experts. you know, even as you become a seasoned serial entrepreneur, there will everybody around you has an area of expertise 
that's greater than yours in that particular area. And so I would ask questions all the time of consultants. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, there's a fantastic, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, Jared, but clarity.fm. Have you ever heard of that? I, I, I feel like I've heard of it, but I, I don't know too much about it. So it is a, it's basically a gigantic pool of consultants uh, that can help you with anything related to small business. So, um, and then, and they charge by the minute and it's, it's quite reasonable. There's many different rates. And so you can always find out what fits in best for you, but you can often have a call with an amazing expert for, for $50. And that's worth so much more than that. So I've talked to uh, people in marketing, plastics engineering. I talked to a Kickstarter expert who has run those million dollar Kickstarter campaigns prior to ever doing ours. And so, um, just knowing that I could have experts like that and then also the, the people that I started to surround myself with, it took a lot of that feeling of risk out because you were supported. Yeah, I love I love how you brought out too. I mean, it's it's so much better than going to um, a bank and, and getting a, lo- a small business loan, which, I mean, depending on your circumstances, isn't the worst thing in the world. I mean, the, that's why they're there. But right. at uh, Kickstarter... I love how you brought that out. That you know, if you get two two hundred backers, I mean, you have two hundred people essentially saying, "Yeah, this is a fantastic idea," and they're willing to spend money on backing you. It's it it does feel <laughs> that must provide such a good feeling um, at the beginning of your Kickstarter campaign to know you're onto something when individuals out there are willing to back you and 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 give you their money for you to pursue pursue your dream. That's awesome. It does. Yeah. When two, when 200 people say that, you're like, Hey, maybe a couple more will say that too. Okay. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy for thinking this is a a good idea. Exactly. Exactly. And so that, that really helps you get get a lot of confidence out of the gate. Um, so, uh, looking back now, you guys have been in business for, uh, about a year and a half, right? Um, Mm -hmm. what do you wish maybe you knew then that you, that you do now a year and a half in, would you change anything you did? I don't think you can ch- you can ever change anything that you do, um, because every choice that you make, if it's not quite the right one, you learn from it. Yep. Um, I guess. Well, so there's a fantastic quote uh, from Elon Musk that's uh, that something to the effect of, and I'm going to butcher it, of course, but that entrepreneurialism is like chewing glass and staring into the abyss. And it's a little dark, of course, but just, but just basically that, um, you, you will be, you will largely be working at that 24 seven that I mentioned earlier. Um, and that if you, if you have love for what you do though, um, you never want to do anything else. Um, so I wish that I would have known through any of the hardships, uh, and struggles that you it's, it's going to be just fine. Yeah. Uh, and I couldn't agree with you more that, I mean, really looking back, would you change anything? Would you do anything different? No. Cause then I, I wouldn't be where, where I'm at now. And every su- successful entrepreneur I've asked that question to all have the same exact answer <laughs> you do. Like, no, I wouldn't change a thing. Like any mistakes or, or stumbles I made, it, I learned and it, it, it made me and my business better. So Absolutely. that's, that's fan- fantastic. Yeah. And, um, you're not alone in that response because that's about what <laughs> well, every single person has said. Uh, well, good. I'm my, glad I, as I paused, 
I, I paused for that long, but I'm not the only one. Yeah, no, that. I still, I still like hearing, you know, people's answers and, um, it's really nice to, to hear the same answer from so many people um, that are successful because this is what this this podcast is about to to help people that are ins- aspiring entrepreneurs or creators. Um, so you know, if you've made mistakes, don't worry about it. Learn from it. Move on. It's all right. Exactly. Exactly. And you'll never stop making them. Yeah. I mean, well, uh, there's that saying: fail fast, fail quickly. Uh, the, yeah. <laughs> the faster, the faster you fail, the quicker you can fix it, the quicker you're going to exactly. learn. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. I like that a lot. Um, so where have you found support, you know, during this, this year and a half of getting the business up, um, you've, you've cultivated, a just a strong community on social media. Um, and I, I know your, your customers interact, uh, quite a bit. So that's gotta be a great mm-hmm. source of, of support. Where else do you, do you look and find support? Well, definitely from my husband, my friends, and my parents, uh, they could not be happier that I've gone the entrepreneurial route that they tried to instill in me from so early on. Um, I'll, I guess, like you said, customers, um, bringing people together via the Facebook VIP group has been one of the most joyful parts for me of this. And so just this, the support that customers show to me, show to everybody else. It's just this phenomenal, warm, every small business in this together environment, that fruition. Uh, Joyful is really the only word I have for that. Also, the team that um, I've tried to assemble with um, customer service reps are uh, manufacturing and fulfillment, marketing, um, graphic design, web design, the team that I have tried to place around me, um, are there, there are people who believe in replica just as much as I do. Mm-hmm. And so to, or like 99.9%, I don't know if you can ever care as much as the person who created it, but, um, but, to, but to have that team, that, that is a constant source of support. Yeah. So I, I had that, um, in the notes I wanted to talk about is, so when you started, it was probably mm-hmm. what you, was there yep. any, uh, and then where are you at now? How's, how's the business grown over the last year and a half? How big's your team now? Um, what maybe you can go into depth on, on really how you went from just you and a Kickstarter to where you're at now. Yeah, definitely. So, um, replica is still, it's, we're still only owned by me and my husband. Um, so we've, we've never done any venture capitalism or profit sharing or anything like that. We're still extremely small. It's, it's he and I on my couch. And then, um, but in terms of the team that we've created, uh, so while nobody, I don't have any, I guess we don't have any employees per se. Um, don't know, no W2 employees, but tons of phenomenal contractors, both through, um, like I said, customer service. Um, my, my customer service rep is, she's the most amazing thing. Um, and is amazing to our customers and a joy to work with. And then manu- manufacturing, um, fulfillment team that gets that gets everything out to everybody really quickly. Um, I have a marketing team, of course. You, you, you've seen my ads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so certainly couldn't do that alone. But about uh, graphic design, enough that I can make some small things for Instagram or some Facebook posts, some you know minor, minor promotional stuff, um, but have a phenomenal team that helps has helped to build the website. Um, I mean, it's, it, it's a, it's a very large team though. Um, 
though they're not that, though the really replica itself is just myself and my husband. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it's I just find it so fascinating to 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 go from just you and your husband starting this, you know, this Kickstarter campaign in 2018 to where you're at now and having um which seems like a, a fairly large enterprise now that to have to have, um, you know, manufacturing and shipping and customer service, uh-huh. and that you still do it from your home uh, <laughs> is just—I I find it so fascinating. It's so awesome. Well, thank you. Well, one of the things that uh, that I really wanted to do from the beginning was to now. I'm by no means is this this is this is still a small business uh, by any standard, but I didn't I never wanted to fulfill out of my home or do anything that wouldn't be scalable mm-hmm. um, as as we grew and so um, you know to do that you you definitely take some monetary concessions in the beginning you know you do fulfillment when you're only shipping out a you know, surface a day but you do it so that you've installed that system. Mm-hmm. That then will grow as the company grows. How, and so, yeah. How has the the business grown? I, I, you don't need to give me specific numbers, but you know, from the you're raising your forty thousand dollars from your your Kickstarter campaign to where you're at now in 2020. I mean, what kind of growth have you have you seen in the business? Um, maybe percentage wise. I tend to keep that stuff a little more on the internal side. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just curious, <laughs> um, at, like how big it's grown. Grown. Oh, did I lose you? I mean, it's. It, are you still there? Yeah, yeah. There you are. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, it's so no problem. Um, so, did you want to ask? Do you want to ask the question again? Since you cut out for a second. Yeah, I guess uh, maybe. Uh, without going into like, I don't want to know your financials or anything, but like, you know, how many like. You, Units are you shipping? Can I ask that? Like compared to no. where you started? No, I can't ask that. Nah, okay. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I totally. I. I mean, no. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Um, uh, <laughs> I. I, to- I totally get that because you still are in a competitive business, but um, okay. the business has grown obviously because you have this large team now. Yeah, um, what was the first position you had to? Um, you added. Customer service. Um, that's that's actually a fantastic question. So. Initially, customer service was was me after work answering customer emails. And uh, when you first get started, that's that's very manageable. It's it's not that many emails. It's um, but then it started to get to the point where I was spending hours doing that, and that was hindering my ability to grow, um, hindering my ability to design new services or create the content that I wanted to. And so I just hit that point of. I think everybody hits that and you go, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and, um, and it's at that moment that you know that you need to bring somebody else on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most entrepreneurs have hit that point with, with certain uh, factors of their business. And so hit that point and went, nope, I need, I need to get somebody to do that and focus just on that. And that's, that was one of the, the best decisions that I've ever made. From, from the business. Gotcha. Well, that's great. I was curious to what uh, what was the first position once you start expanding. What what was uh, what needed to be added? And customer service definitely seems um, it takes a lot of time. And so to find the right it person does. to be able to do that, that's got to be you know it's got to free up a lot of your time. Uh, so exactly, and it has. How have you strived to to stand out uh, from the quality of your products to the range of your products? Um, you know how maybe how do you decide what surface you're gonna do? It's a, those are all great questions. So you're absolutely right. That quality is key. Um, 
to, uh, we're very hands-on with quality in terms of um, I will be at the printer um, helping to inspect or, t- or teaching others how to inspect surfaces to make sure that the highest quality goes out um, every time. Customer service, like I said, is also another way that I feel that we stand out um, either when I was doing it or, or now that Liz uh, is my customer service rep. Um, we listen, we help um, we, we get so many reviews that specifically say, I love the services, but I most love the customer service. Um, so that's, that's huge uh, for us as well. And then I guess just creating, creating a community and not just a backdrop. Um, I think we have the best backdrop out there, but I also think that when you, when you do order a replica surface, you're not just getting that, you're getting the how-tos, the community, and certainly you can have all of those without ever ordering. Um, but I, I, I want people to feel like they're part of something because they really are. Yeah, the how-tos, I mean, going back to that, I absolutely love it. I mean, your Instagram is beautifully laid out and so many of those those pictures, you can learn how to do in your how-tos, which is is fantastic. So. I, I definitely agree that that sets you guys apart. That you're not just selling a product, but it's it's a it's a community as well. Which um, I think you know is what people are looking for. They don't want to just spend their money on a product. They want to uh, spend it on something they can feel a part of, which is fantastic. Exactly. Um, so you you've really defined, in my opinion, this this uh, area, this product line in photography. Um, can you share any success stories, maybe from your customers, how they've benefited? Um, from your product? Definitely. Um, so what's so fantastic about Replica is that people take photos of what they're doing and then they share them. So I am constantly able to see uh, people succeed and how the surfaces are helping them to do that via their Instagram stories or um, they, they DM me all the time or send emails and just say how much these have helped them with their business. Um, I've actually posted a couple to the website uh, because people have come to me and shared their success stories and I wanted to share them with other people as well. So um, some that come to mind are, uh, there's a jewelry maker named Alexis and she was telling me how she's able to spend more time with her young children as they grow up because photographing the jewelry that she makes has become so much easier and so much less time consuming now that she has her surfaces. And, um, and all the while, her business is growing while spending more time with her kids. So that one, that one pulled up my heartstrings for sure, and uh, was so phenomenal to hear. Um, another one, uh, there, uh, there's a a home decor shop called California English. Um, it, and it's run by um, by Jesus, two guys, Jesus and Kyle, and they uh, they they've had their photos since shooting their. Um, their products on replica surfaces uh, reposted by Joanna Gaines from Fixer Upper. Oh wow! And That's cool. yeah, and and Anthony Perosky of Queer Eye, and um, just so so they're getting all this phenomenal exposure uh, from these amazing influencers, and their photos are taken on replica surfaces. So that was really cool to see as well. And um, and then uh, uh, Miranda is product photographer and with her surfaces she landed her first uh food magazine cover and so like those are some of the big ones that come to mind right now uh that there there's a lot of success stories and they are what keep me striving to keep giving people the resources that they need to 
to keep sharing these stories with me. Yeah, I, I really love that first one. I mean, it, it's so true that your surfaces allow people to take high quality looking images with a beautiful backdrop background um, and not have to put like so much thought and effort into it because you've done it for them. You lay these out, you put any, almost any two surfaces you have together with your L-shaped brackets, your stands, and they look, it looks great. It looks like it's done in a professional studio. Um, so yeah, I, I love, especially that first one. It does um, free up a lot of time for people that are growing a business but need high quality images. So well done. Good job on your That's product. awesome. Thank you. Thanks. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm going for. <laughs> uh, so you've, you've had, needless to say, you've had a, a very interesting journey uh, from the newspaper route to acting to being a very successful entrepreneur um, in an industry that um, you didn't have a background in. Uh, so looking back at it all, I mean, what, what advice would you give someone that that is looking to make that leap? They have a business idea. They're just not sure what to do or, or, or to take that leap. I mean, what, what would you say to them? So, well, one, there's a phenomenal book called When to Jump um, that I read. And I, the, the author is slipping my mind right now. Um, I can look it up and I can send it to you, Jared. But um, and that, it's, it's a story of a ton of different people, entrepreneurs, athletes, people who have made a complete 180 career change. And the process is a really phenomenal read to read about other people um, and see their process, not leaping too early, having a plan when you do it, that kind of thing. Um, so take a read of that. You'll, you'll feel supported and it'll help you feel like it'll create a plan for you. It looks, um, it looks at the, oh, the author's Mike Lewis. When that's it. Jump. That's it. Yeah. You got it. Okay. I didn't, so I didn't have to send it to you anyway. I looked it up. Uh, okay. <laughs> we do have that Google capability these days. Um, so, I, so I think surrounding yourself with those stories and people who have done it already is going to help you have a lot of confidence to do it yourself. I think in the, in the early stages, you're going to be doing whatever job you currently work and the entrepreneurialism side by side. So yep. you're going to be working a lot, but if you believe in it, it is so worth it. Um, there, there's nothing more rewarding than creating a project and watching it grow. And then, Hey, if you can get paid in the process, that's pretty cool. Um, and I guess the other thing would be to, um, to stay humble. I, like I mentioned before, you, no matter how far along the road you get, there are other people that you need to rely on, ask questions of, um, don't be afraid to do that. You will be better for asking for help. And, um, and then create an amazing team around you and then never let them go. Like honor those relationships, treat everybody so well and you will be treated, your business will be so much better for it. Fantastic advice, Mandy. I, I agree with every bit of it. Um, and I think, you know, there's some real uh, value and wisdom in that advice for our listeners. Um, thank you for taking the time to, uh, you know, get on, jump on the phone with me today and, and talk about your background and, and your business and your products. I mean, they're, they're fantastic. Um, you know, I, I see, I see the ads and, uh, um, the posts all the time. And I absolutely love, um, 
I love flat lays. So I love seeing all the images and I, I definitely bookmark all the ones that I really like and want to try to Thank replicate with you. my replica <laughs> services. <laughs> Zing. I love it. Uh, so for, for our listeners that want to learn um, more about replica services, where can people find you? So replicasurfaces.com is where you're going to be able to place an order if you want to. We're only available through our own website. Uh, you'll also find a lot of my blog posts there. Some of them do have a, a corresponding YouTube video that I link to within that post. Other ones are just blog posts on their own. Uh, they're chock full of tons of photos. There's guest posts on there. So it's, it's definitely a great learning resource. Um, on Instagram, it's at Replica Surfaces, and I share uh, tips and tricks for um, photography, for styling almost every single day. And, um, and then if you want to join the, the Facebook VIP community, that's the Replica Surfaces VIP community. And uh, just request to join. I'll accept your requests. And uh, you do not have to own any surfaces to join. Um, we just love to have you there. And finally, I have I do have four YouTube tutorial videos uh, that you can find on the Replica Services YouTube channel. Awesome, and you know, for our listeners, definitely check out Replica Services. If if you're uh, uh, an at home entrepreneur and you're selling product and you need something nice to take pictures of your product on, uh, hands down, Replica sur- Surfaces. They're durable, they're affordable, they're light, they're easy, they're beautiful. And you, you get to be part of a, a, a great community and support uh, an amazing person. So thank you so much, Mandy. You're awesome, Jared. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Yeah. And then for our listeners, uh, don't forget to uh, follow me, your host, Jared Spink, at, at Jared Spink on Instagram and Twitter. And subscribe if you haven't already. Leave a review in your favorite podcast player. And we post new episodes every Monday morning, 7 a.m. Pacific time. So uh, we will... Uh, I, I always never know how to end these because we won't see our listeners. Well, <laughs> we'll talk to you then, maybe. I don't know. All right, we'll see. You. We'll catch you in the next episode. <laughs> I love it, Jared. Thanks. Yeah.